0: Hi, I'm John Armato, and welcome to another Easy Jazz Spotlight for Easy Jazz FM. Today I'm talking with LA-based vocalist Stacy Griesbach. I think it was around 2015 when I had dinner with Stacy in Los Angeles. We took a walk after dinner, and she mentioned she was wanting to record an album. And I mentioned, hey, I'm thinking the same thing. Fast forward a few years, and in the time it took me to release one album, The Drummer Loves Ballads, she released three multiple singles, and a series of 100 video performances in tribute to Ella Fitzgerald's 100th birthday. Uh, so she's lapped me several times, um, and I've been delighted to see her do it. Uh, I first met Stacey under entirely different circumstances, though. I was an executive with the international PR firm uh, called Fleshman Hillard in Kansas City, which is where I'm from, and Stacy was an intern, one of the most enthusiastic and talented ones we've had, I might add. My agency career took me to New York and then to Sacramento, and I released my album while keeping my desk job, forcing me to constantly explain to people, no, I'm a communications consultant and a jazz drummer. Stacy's agency career took her to Sacramento before I got there. But after that, she went to LA, left the agency, and joined the marketing department at Sony Pictures in LA. But not long after we took that walk, she made the big leap and is now simply Stacey Griesbach, LA-based vocalist. Notice I didn't modify the word vocalist. Stacy was raised on a dairy farm in Wisconsin and grew up surrounded by country music, but she also played sax in her high school band, and she also fell in love with jazz. And just this week, she released a pop-oriented Christmas single. She's as in love with Patsy as she is with Ella, and she has carved out a reputation for blending the two styles, and it works. Rolling Stone called Stacy's first single, Walking After Midnight, a gorgeous jazz interpretation of the Patsy Cline classic. Since then, Stacy has appeared at clubs and festivals around the country and continues to develop new projects. It's been my privilege to play drums with her on a couple of those dates, and I have to say, Stacy has converted at least one snobbish jazz musician. I think her George Jones material in particular is deeply satisfying. We'll listen to some of that, some of her country meets jazz outings, and I think you'll be impressed. But first, let's say hello, Stacy. hello.
1: Well, hi. I'm blushing now. You're you're making all these all these glorious things said about me while I'm sitting here. I'm just like, can I well, record this? Oh, it is being recorded. It,
0: right? it is being recorded, and there are glorious things to be said because there were glorious things that you did. I, I think it's wonderful what you've been doing, and it's been so. Um, I don't know. Just it's been fun as a friend and a colleague, um, a fellow musician, to watch you on your on your journey and. Um, so first of all, I have to say, you know, congratulations on recording that album we talked about on our walk after dinner. <laughs> uh, so I, I want to start with your first memories. What are your first memories of country music, your first memories of jazz, and your first memories of thinking, hey, I think these things go together?
1: You know, the earliest childhood memory I have is playing piano in our 1928 um, in our farmhouse with the 1928 Wellington Upright Piano. And it was this glorious piano that was, you know, one of those really old traditional pianos with the ivory keys and it was just stunning. And, but even more so than that, um, I, I received as a Christmas gift one year a little Fisher Price record player. And this Fisher Price record player was, like the end-all be-all for me. And it had, you know, Mary had a little lamb and all these little records. And once I graduated from that, my mom said, well, you can play with my records. She had a great collection of 33s and 45s. And so I would put those 33s, those 45s on, and we, I, I can't believe to this day that she let me play with those records. But music was always a part of my childhood. I grew up, you know, playing the piano. Then I started taking lessons in band. I took the saxophone. I started singing the minute I got to school. And music was always part of everything that I did up through college. Um, you know, every, every school program, every um, course, every summer course, every workshop, you know, I was there and music was always part of it. But jazz kind of came in when I started with the jazz band in high school and in middle school, and that was really through saxophone. Um, I did play a little bit of piano, but I don't know how well I played that. I was, better, I was a better horn player than instrumental. And then when I went to school, um, you know, I, I, um, I, I, I performed with the Wisconsin singers, and we were a singing and dancing troupe, and we did choreography and everything. So it kind of just continued my performance, you know, regimen, if you will. Um, but country music was always something that was part of our childhood. I mean, growing up on the farm, growing up in rural America, You know, it was George Jones, it was Patsy Cline, it was Conway Twitty and Merle Haggard. And those voices were my childhood. But my mom also had like a little, it was like a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. So mom always loved the Rolling Stones and and all of that. So it's like, you know, and Elvis Presley. and So I had this lovely balance of, you know, the, the radio station never stayed stuck at one spot.
0: Do you remember there, was there a particular time where you thought there's no reason why these country tunes I love couldn't be done in the swing style that I love in the jazz band? Was that Not as, as a kid. point?
1: I mean, that was never, that was never crossed my mind. I mean, I was just too worried about getting the tunes out and, you know, yeah. if I was with a barbershop quartet or a, jazz, a saxophone quartet, it was like, you show up, play the notes, make sure you do it well. Right. Um, I, I. It really didn't cross my mind until, like you said, later in life, I started taking lessons uh, to learn jazz piano and kind of relearning the instrument. And it was at that time I thought, hey, i got to start gigging. And believe it or not, I was a vice president at Sony Pictures, and I would leave the studio at 445 to hightail it up to the Lowe's Hotel, Hollywood and Highland, to gig on Friday nights. And that's kind of where I worked out my book. You know, I would pick some obscure Blossom Deary songs. Sure. It was, you know, you'd throw in Blue Skies to open just to kind of a palate cleanser. And then you. I kind of went into some of these more um, obscure tunes and I've always found an eclectic mix uh, of, of songs to do. Um, but that said, after a certain period of time of doing that, I think it was like a couple years I was gigging there. It, you know, it didn't get old, but it just got like, it fell flat a little bit where I needed something that I wanted to present that was authentically me, you yeah. know? And what was that going to be outside of just calling tunes?
0: Right. Even just calling tunes is can, come, can become very routine.
1: Yeah. are
0: like, yeah. yeah, next, next tune, next tune, next tune out of the real book or what have you. Exactly. Right.
1: And a three-time tag at the end and go, yeah. you know, and right. it's just, and, and so I thought, listen, I need to create something that's more authentic to me. And, I came home, I mean, literally the story is as honest as it could be. I went to yoga in the morning on a Saturday and I had this routine pre-COVID that um, my little vinyl collection, I would come home after yoga and I'd pick one song, one album to play on vinyl. That was my vinyl day for Saturday. And you know, eeny meeny and I would choose an album and sure enough, I picked this one Saturday, I picked the green and gold Patsy Cline Greatest Hits and the minute I dropped the needle, I had been, you know, kind of toying with what am I going to do? You know, what what is something that I could do different than what other singers are doing right sure. now? What would be authentic to me? What would make, what would be my story? And the minute that I dropped that needle on Patsy Cline, I thought, well... Patsy Klein. She's like Ella Fitzgerald, but to the country music audience. Yeah. And it just happened. And at that point, even I didn't think, oh, I'm gonna do this whole country music meets jazz. It wasn't clear to me. I it wasn't it wasn't really until after I was halfway through the Patsy project that I even researched and found that nobody else had done that.
0: Interesting. So yeah.
1: Patsy passed in nineteen sixty-three. I released my album in two thousand nineteen. And I remember, you know, I had vocalists going, oh my gosh, that's such a great idea. It was like, yeah, you know, you don't know when those ideas are going to come or how it's going to, you know, marry up. And so literally I I released that album and I think it was the following year once COVID hit and we were all kind of forced inside and we were really (laughs) reflecting. And at this point it was like, whoa, I just launched this music career, and I was just selected for South by Southwest, and now the festival was canceled. So, you know, we all have our COVID stories, but it's the question for me was, how do I make this, you know, what is this for me? And and it started um, dawning on me, all of a sudden, it was Shania Twain's 25th anniversary of The Woman in Me, and I went, Oh, my gosh. Like, the tw- that album was my high school. Yeah. So it's like, if Patsy Klein was my childhood, Shania was my high school, how am I not doing that? And then George Jones, Merle Haggard. I mean, it was just, then it became almost overwhelming because this whole genre opens up, a, a, it's like a whole new world of possibilities for a jazz artist.
0: Well, let's let's um, pause there and give people a chance to hear what we're talking yeah. about. Great. So uh, I, I'm going to uh, insert a cut here. We're going to play uh, "Walking After Midnight." This is from Stacy's 2019 debut album, "My Patsy Cline Songbook," and uh, we'll come back and chat about it.
2: Okay. Who?
3: I go out walking after midnight, out in the moonlight. Just like we used to do, I'm always walking after midnight, searching for you. It's just my way of saying I love you I'm walking after midnight searching for you After midnight, out in the moonlight, just hoping you may be walking after midnight, searching for
0: That was walking after midnight from Stacy's 2019 debut album, My Patsy Cline uh, Songbook, and you, you know, Stacey, I just I've always loved that particular um, interpretation that you recorded. For me, there's a, a moodiness to it that is just infectious, and you know, and I, I actually went back and listened to the original to make sure I wasn't missing something. And the original is very matter of fact. It's maybe a little bluesy uh, in places. But I feel like you really pulled the shades down and turned the nightlight on, on this tune. You know, it's, it's, it's got an intimacy and a reflectiveness about it. Uh, I'm curious if that was by intent or or what led you to that particular, what I would call moody approach to it.
1: Well, I'll share with you, you know, as the, so in addition to, you know, singing on all my albums and being the lead vocalist, I also am the producer. And so I put on my producer hat at the beginning of each project and really kind of think through what it is that I'm looking to have on the full album. Mm -hmm. And for these particular songs um, where I'm reimagining something that's already written, not something myself that I write, I work with these incredible arrangers down here in Los Angeles, jazz piano players that are second to none, world-class musicians. Yeah. And for me, it's about putting together a vision of what I want the album to be and each tune, how I want the tune to go, what what I what I you know, when I think about a tune where does my mind take me? And I'll maybe jot down some notes and some ideas of where I think each song could go. And then I figure out, okay, based on that, which arranger would make the most sense to mm-hmm. assign that tune to. Mm-hmm. And then I make that marriage. And then once that marriage happens, usually um, with with each arranger, I've worked with probably four or five arrangers now. and. Mm-hmm. Each one has their own style, and I love that because then they bring their own style to it as well. So I may come with, hey, um, in in this case, this arrangement was done for Walking After Midnight by Jeremy Siskind. And Jeremy and I met, and we sat down at the piano, we worked through a few things. I kind of shared what my thoughts were, and then he has his incredible... You know these these between Jeremy Siskin, Tamir Hendelman, Atmaro Ruiz, Matt Endall, Rasan Barber, Addison Fry, all these arrangers come with their backgrounds, and they meet the song in a very new way too, because they typically most of these jazz players don't know the tune,
0: right. That's very interesting. So it's it's incredibly fresh for them, isn't it?
1: Totally fresh. Yeah, that's a great point. So even if I have a bias of where I think the song will go, my job as a producer is to hold that bias back and have a little self restraint and hold that and give space to where the arranger sees and listen to that. Then weigh in. Because what I've learned, and this happened specifically on Walking After Midnight, Jeremy came back with this arrangement and there's so much space in the middle. Yeah. And I questioned it. I said, Jeremy, I don't know. It just seems like there's so much space there. Like, you know, do we want all of that and... You know, let's hear it again. And you know, I mean it was very much a collaboration, but I have to give my hats off. That was Jeremy's arrangement and it was well, beautiful. It, and,
0: it's outstanding. And and the caliber musicians, you know, I was gonna I was gonna mention that because you, yeah. you always work with A-list world class folks. Who did we hear on that particular cut? Was that Bob yeah, Shepard on the
1: Jeremy back? on piano and then Bob Shepard on yeah. saxophone. And you know, we had talked when we when we mentioned when I mentioned that we were in we were going to the studio like, I don't know, a few weeks later. And he said, "Stacy, you're going to have Bob Shepard there. You know, you just let him kind of sail. Yeah. And literally in the studio, it was, um, oh my gosh, who was on that? I, you know, I I, I know that um, Jeremy was on piano. I'd have to look up who was on that track for. Yeah. I want to say it was Kevin Canner, And it could have been... Um, uh, um, Alex Frank on bass. I, I feel, I, you know, it's funny. This is 2019. I can't remember well, that. It's
0: been a while. And, I, and, and you and you do work with a lot of great players. I, and I know how, you know, these projects, different people are in and out on different tracks and that sort of thing. So, uh, but I, I knew I was hearing Bob for sure. Yeah. Was... But
1: Bob was sitting, you know, we had tracked, we were doing like Leaving On Your Mind, and he was going to play on that. And then there was one other track in between. And so he was kind of just chilling out there and he came in and just, you know, it's like I think we did two
0: takes. Done. Yeah. Well, so tell me, um, you know, you know, I've talked before about the occasional struggle of well, the country stations don't want to play it because it's jazz. The jazz stations don't want to play it because it's country. But talk to me about the reception you've gotten from whether it's airplay or, yeah. or critics or reviews, especially now that it's had a chance to sort of find its audience and 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 um, you, you've you know added to your catalog. What what are you hearing from? both worlds, so to speak.
1: Yeah, well, country country music is kind of in a unique space right now. It's so massive. Uh, like, mainstream country radio is all programmed, and mm-hmm. that is all from the corporate side. So, I mean, there's really, you know, unless you're operating on, like, a Miranda Lambert level, you really don't get play there. Right. Um, where I found uh, success are you know, some of the stations where they have the, the, the DJs play a little more Americana, a little more folk, and maybe some world music, and they have that flexibility to put it in. Right. Programming. Um, so, like, mainstream countries still are a goal, to, but you know, for them to play a jazz tune, I think it'd be a little bit uh, jarring for their, their listeners. The jazz audience, believe it or not, has been really receptive. And I think part of that is just, you know why I love the jazz community so much, and just the, the premise of jazz. Jazz in and of itself to me means, in its improvisational form, take one thing and build upon it. Mm-hmm. You know, Then go to the next, then go to the next. It, jazz has taught me about life in COVID. How do, you, how, do you, how do you respond to what's happening? What do you hear? What are you, what are you seeing and how do you respond? Um, if you think something isn't right, how do you make it right by the next choice you make?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Jazz really has these life lessons built into the music and so natural for me to, to have this reception of, Hey, that's interesting. Let's listen to that, you know? And I think, um. You know, Downbeat gave my George Jones album a four star review, which I was just tickled about. And, you know, there's it's people still don't know me. And so I think it's a little bit of like, you know, the constant independent musician. Yeah. You can have all the promotional knowledge in your background, but it's a matter of just getting out there, playing for people, interacting with people and letting people see who you are and what you present. And it's that connection, so that just I think takes time and awareness. Yeah. But I'm I'm really thrilled with you know the the radio reception and the media reception and the fan support. Um, and it's I, I'm I'm hoping in these next years I'll be playing kind of bigger houses where yeah. you know there will be the jazz fans sitting right next to the guy with the country music. You know, <laughs> well,
0: history. you know, and I'm intrigued though because uh, the uh, and I'm not a musicologist. But so much of country is rooted in sort of Americana roots music, Appalachian, Delta, blues, you? even that sort of thing. And of course, you know, jazz is based in, in the African-American experience, which also had this roots music element, um, you know, uh, in, in rural parts of the South and that sort of thing. So there's, I got to, you know, believe that, down deep, those roots intertwine a little bit, you know. And, and it's not too surprising to me that the, the, a couple of trees with similar roots would would have come from those experiences. And you know, for me as a as a player and as a listener, you know, and I sort of joked about it in my intro. But I hadn't listened to George Jones before because you know, I'll own it. I was a snob. I just I was never drawn to country music growing up, and I sort of dismissed it. But the songwriting is incredible. The storytelling is incredible. And once you start to think about the the narrative, uh, maybe in a different melodic or lyrical setting, you really can get this amazing marriage. And I really have come to appreciate it in a way that I hadn't before. Um, so well, but, you
1: know, originally, I had I had thought about this. You know, I was studying Ella Fitzgerald, and I was studying um, you know how her what she did for Verve and her songbook session. Yeah and everything and, you know, what Norman Grants did with her. And I read a book, I mean, Norman Grants just is phenomenal. You know, what he did with that music and with her was just incredible. And so I started thinking about it. And when I created my songbook series, Norman Grants was very much kind of in my zeitgeist because I was reading and studying Ella and her career. And uh, originally I had thought about, do I want to make it the Hank Cochran songbook? Do I want to make it the Harlan Howard songbook? Do I want to make it the Webb Pierce songbook? These are all songwriters from Nashville. And I love that, but I thought, well, Stacy, you're already taking this and marrying this and the, yeah, like, yeah, the Venn yeah. diagram is coming together. You're making that even smaller in terms of awareness. So I decided not to go that esoteric and you know eccentric. Yeah. But it's it's not really. I mean, you know, the the Patsy and George George wrote a little bit. Patsy didn't write. Dolly, of course, right, is is oh, you know sure. one of the all time greatest yeah. songwriters of American m- music. So, you know, I think for me, and Shania, Shania wrote all those songs. Right. You know, she's the original songwriter along with Mutt Lang on on the Woman and Me. But um, you know, to me, it, it's all about the song and the songwriting which is why I'm really excited that, you know, just now I've released or I'm releasing um, this new Christmas album. And on my holiday album, there are my first four originals. And I tell you what, John, my, that little girl that sat at that 1920s Wellington piano is a little bit excited about this.
0: Well, as well, she should be. I, I, you know, I had one original on my album and it was a, it was a terrifying and delightful experience to give expression to that that part of, of myself. And I know how rewarding it can be to get done with a composition. Now, I, I wrote lyrics, not the music. Did you write lyrics and music? Is it, is yeah. It, okay. I did comp- I played a, it for
1: my family last Christmas. My brother and his kids and my sister-in-law were sitting and we were FaceTiming. And I said, hey, I've got a song. And... My nephew was like, you know, he's Mr. Cool Cat, you know, and he was just like, okay, let's hear it, you know? And I got done playing and he's like, it's actually good. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's like- Hey, that's that's not awful. Yeah, kids will tell you the honest truth. Absolutely. So so now with the single out, I actually just started asking all my friends, play it for your kids in the car and see what they think, you know.
0: Well, they can play it for their kids, but we're going to play it for the listeners of this show. Uh, Just a snippet. We've got a few seconds of it to tease you guys with. Um, and this is called "You and Me at Christmas Time." It's Stacy's original composition and lyrics. Single uh, just dropped, I think, two days ago. As we record this, we're recording this the first week of, of November. Uh, so we'll, we're going to drop in a little bit of a teaser for you. Now, this is more of a pop—excuse me—a pop, pop me, flavored uh, piece of music. So it's, it gives you a flavor for the diversity of interests um, and range that Stacy has. So let's take a listen to "You and Me at Christmas Time."
3: Cause it's you and me at Christmas.
0: Well, that's great, Stacey. I mean, it, it is, it is all the feel good you would want out of a modern, uh, pop Christmas tune. Now, did you write some jazz for the holiday album as well? Or were you more drawn? Cause you know, you mentioned Shania and she had that great country pop crossover feel. Is that where you're interested in uh, these days?
1: Well, you know, I like it all. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. It's like, you know, I don't think, I, I don't do well with labels. Like yeah. when someone says, oh, you're a country artist, I kind of cringe. And then when someone says, you're a jazz artist, I kind of, you know, it's like, I don't feel like each hat fits properly. There's yeah. there's, there's well, not well. a hat that just says one thing. We aren't. And and I think as humans, we, we keep trying to label ourselves and it's just not, you know, it's just good music is good music, they say. And yeah. I mean, I hope that's what, that's what I'm trying to, to put out. Um, but yeah, my songwriting, you know, I mean, I've, I've been writing for a while. And in fact, in the early 2000s, I went and did Nashville songwriting camps and, and the, the Nashville songwriting association has great programming. Um, and my, you know, I think because I love jazz so much and the intricacies and the, the palette that you can paint mm-hmm. in jazz is just so immense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: As a songwriter, I, there, there's, there's two ways I can go. Um, I can either put on a jazz hat and say, "Okay, today I'm going to channel um, Stardust." Okay, and I'm going to play a little Stardust. What you know? Let me hear Stardust. Okay, now what comes to what comes mm-hmm. to my mind? You know, and I want to do a song about love. And all of a sudden, bam! You know, or I wrote a song up at the Monterey Jazz Festival, Sitting on the Rocks, and it was literally, after listening to Cole, Nat King Cole, I was listening to him on my walk, and I sat down, took the music off, and I wrote this tune, a Silomar. It was a Silomar State Beach. And it's beautiful. It's got jazz colors to it. It's yeah. you know, major seven chords, diminished chords, some really nice, you know, normal kind of standard progressions. Yeah. Then, um, you know, there's a tune that I wanted to write, like, just like The Great American Songbook, um, neither of these have been recorded or released yet, but it's, you know, very much in line with what an old time standard would be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So when it came time to ho- for holiday, I just, I gave myself permission to choose what came to me with the song versus assigning myself, okay, I want to write a jazz tune yeah, or I want to right. write this. And Let this the pop, idea lead. Yeah, and this pop song just came to me and I thought, well, move over, Mariah, here we go.
2: <laughs> that was great.
1: And then the other ones, there's Dreaming of Christmas with You, which has a little bit more of a jazz bent, but it's three chords in the truth. So it's played in a jazz style, but it's three chords and the truth. And then in the middle of writing Dreaming of Christmas with You, Merle Haggard's face is sitting on my piano, and I broke into another tune, uh, It's Just Not Christmas Without You. Very similar chord structures, very similar styles. And the band, when we were recording, they're like, Do we want to mix this up? And I said, Nope, this is how it is. I want it just like this. And I think they're separated on the album, but they're beautiful, you know. I mean, I'm in love with It's Just Not Christmas Without You. And then I've got another tune that's an original on there, It's Raining on Christmas. Now Yes, some of these are very sad, and, you know... Well, there's the no holidays. better time
0: to be sad than the holidays. <laughs> well, I was going to
1: say, you know, this album has a little bit of everything. You know, it yeah. starts off high, and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the holidays are a time of reflection, and so I have Pretty Paper on there with, you know, Willie Nelson's Pretty Paper. Dolly Parton made Hard Candy Christmas famous. Jeremy arranged that one. I've got Your Merry Christmas Darling, Santa Bring Your Baby Back to Me. But then Raining on Christmas, my other original, is um, a little bit of a gospel bent, and it's I've got some backup singers, some background singers that were from a gospel choir down here, and it really is that sort of meaningful song of, hey, you know, it was raining all Christmas last year, and what if the water just washes over us and cleanses us, and we can start nice. new in the yeah. new year? And so anyways, I it, it's been a joy to put my originals out, and I hope I can continue to do that. Um, while I fund the next uh, tribute.
0: Well, let's move from the spiritual implications to the commercial. Now's a good time to tell people where they can find you and your music online. (laughs) Where can they buy, download, or stream your stuff?
1: Yeah, StacyGriesbach.com. That's probably the best, S-T-A-C-I-G-R-I-E-S-B-A-C-H.com.
0: And and I'll get on my soapbox, and please, everybody, consider buying Stacy's music instead of streaming it. It varies from platform to platform. And most people are not aware of this, but it can take as many as a 1,000 streams for a musician to earn $1. So if you'd like the music you love to thrive, please buy it. Um, yeah, so. and I
1: do have CDs available on my website for 15 bucks. You know, it's like, yeah. a, it's like a Starbucks visit, you yeah, know. Right,
0: right, right. Uh, so um, let, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, some of the lessons maybe learned. You know, it's been a while. Yeah since you came out with Patsy, you've got the new album. As you reflect on your experiences in between, are there things you would do differently? What have you learned about the creative process or the music business or your own relationship to music?
1: Well, you know, yeah. I, I mean, first of all, I think any vocalist would say, well, I'd love to go back and redo the vocals. <laughs> I, um, you know, my, my Patsy album, I recorded six months after leaving the studio, my vocals. And, um, I was going through, you know, these last five years have been a transition for me. And, you know, there's a reason that I did this at 40 versus doing this at 21.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, fear is something we all deal with in the human experience. Um, and it is something that, you know, can kind of take over us. And, um, Anxiety. And I think, you know, I needed, I needed, my soul needed this music, you know, and, uh, and it was, it was, so it, it was one of those things when I, when I recorded the vocals, each one of my albums, I can tell that my vocals are more confident and strong. And interestingly enough, I think a lot of the music business is up here.
0: Mm. I think a lot of life is up there. A
1: lot of life is up here. You know, it's right. I mean, the older we get, we can see these things, you know, and it, you know, it's, it's hard. We've, and especially with what we've been through these last few years, I mean, it's just been challenging. So to get your mind over that hump and to present something in a confident way, I think has been, you know, really my, my most challenging moment of pushing through these fears and barriers that i have in my head to doing it
2: yeah you know, for
1: me you- for me success you know when people say oh congratulations on the success i kind of question it because i don't know what they mean but for me success means just doing it
0: well that's a perfect segue to an observation i had that i want to talk to you about i mean speaking of fears you've always struck me as fearless and 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 that's probably not the right word, because what I observe, I think, is not somebody without fear, but somebody who uh, does things despite the fear, perhaps, which I think is really sort of the, the ultimate form of fearlessness. And I think about you as somebody who uh, is unhesitant to knock on doors of uh, people who maybe don't know who you are yet, and to take leaps and to take risks. In particular, tell me if I've got this right. I seem to recall a story Didn't you spend some time in Brazil, um, learning to sing in Portuguese and, and incorporating Brazilian uh, music into your music?
1: Yeah, I went to Brazil in 2016, right when I was, I I had two uh, Celia Vaz, um, arranged. I did a Samba Meets Jazz workshop and two of my arrangements, I Fall to Pieces and Sweet Dreams were done by Celia down in Brazil, in Rio. Like she lives right on, like right near Copacabana and, and Ipanema beaches. Yeah, and it, I, lo- I love
0: incredible. this aspect of your personality, of your ability to say, yeah, no, I'm going to do that. I mean, yeah, you know, it's not like a, oh, well, you know, that's, that's what other people do, not me, or I'm or may not be good help. enough, or I'm not sure how you you have, and, you know, I could be wrong. You tell me, but my perception is you're, you're a person who's pretty much always ready to dive into the deep end.
1: Well, you know, I, I know it looks like that. <laughs> but I guess, I guess that, that's the funny thing, you know, is what other people see versus your own experience. Yeah, of your- yeah. And for me, what people don't know is what happens within the four walls of my house before yeah. I leave the door. Yeah. And I think that's that's the honesty of a, of what we're living right now. You know, we live these lives where we put everything out on social media and we do all this and everything is perfect. Everything is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And we all know we're, we're all human. We all have yeah. those same emotions. We're all going through tough times or, you know... Someone may not have had that tough time yet, but they don't know where it, you know, and maybe they'll never have it, hopefully. But another person is going through a struggle. And and sometimes yeah. you just, you know, it's, it's it, I think I've been more open to sharing some of the struggle part because I think when I was living a corporate job and just going in every day, like, okay, jump on the hamster wheel, go do my thing, yeah. come yeah. home, there was no... No vulnerability in that. It was a it was a false security net to my own emotions and my own life. And I think that, you know, going off the grid and doing something that really matters to me, that I'm putting my own financing behind, that I'm doing my own my own skin is in the game, it just changes it's so different than getting paid by a corporation to, you know, have a job. And
2: yeah, no so, you it. know,
1: listen, I, I very well could go back to that other world because You know, you do have to make the money to finance the album. But in the same instance, yeah, you know, I do have that personality that I think I love to come into the room and meet people. I love people. I love organizing with people. I like making things. I love being creative. I love producing. But that's not to... That's not to be said that that little farm girl still has to talk herself up and yeah. say, hey, Stacy, you got this. You can do this, you know? And I think on this Christmas album was the first time I sat in my recording studio with my, I now was comfortable with my engineer. I now could be myself. You know, yeah, we would come out here and pour a whiskey every once in a while because we needed that,
2: Yeah, you yeah. know?
1: And I think there was just this, um ease about it that I think the first time around it was like deer in the headlights. And so listen, I'm I'm very I'm very proud of all of my albums and they show, you know, but when I listen back, I hear this young, a a younger version of myself Uh, just uh, vulnerable trying to do this. You know I
0: think every musician goes through that. I mean I certainly hear, you know, when I when I listen back, which I don't do very often anymore, but when I listen back to my album, uh you know, I hear me in a place in time. Yeah. You know, it's 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 yes. a snapshot, and it immediately uh, puts in perspective growth since then, or growth to that point, um, which is kind of a remarkable thing to be able to do. But but there's always that uh, there can be a little bit of a cringe involved in that too. But you know, speaking of, I'm going to bring several of these threads together. You're talking about you know the importance of getting off that hamster wheel, doing those things that matter to you. Uh, And I was talking about my perception of you as sort of fearless and like, no, I'm going to go to Brazil. I'm going to learn this. I'm going to work with these kinds of folks. Uh, There's a tune on your George Jones album, uh, Walk Through This World With Me, Mm. uh, where you sing in both English and Portuguese, uh, and you've integrated that you know, this is a passion of mine, that beautiful slow bossa feel. Uh, yeah. It's just so Brazilian in its sort of sway. And it's another one of those moments where this incredible, you know, uh, classic country American lyric has this new life in this yeah. new musical setting. And, and I'd love to play that for people. So let's take a listen to Walk Through This World With Me. And this is from uh, Stacy's uh, album, my George Jones and song
3: A long, long time And now that i found you New horizons I see Come, take my hand And walk through this
2: world
3: A tua mal e vem pelo mundo andar.
0: through this world with me from stacy's uh 2021 release my george jones songbook. i just think that's such a, a gorgeous treatment of the lyrics stacy and and uh, you know thank you for representing this this great music in, in a new way um i i'm a sucker for alto flute too by the way i mean that's just every that that whole mood is just velvety and beautiful um any reflections or remembrances or stories from recording that tune
1: yeah, well, Atmaro Ruiz did the arrangement, and his wife, Katina de Luna, who is Brazilian, um, did the Portuguese lyric translation. Nice. And she did the lyric translation for Patsy Cline, too. And she is just... its she's incredible. Um, it, You know, again, that was one where we recorded the rhythm trio, and we had a different... I had a different rhythm section on... At tunes for the George Jones project, um, we we did like a, a mega recording day in the studio. We started at like ten a.m., went to five, then switched out the rhythm section and had a whole separate section oh, uh, yeah. session going into the evening. It was it was I was on a high, so it didn't matter to me. I was ready to go, um, and you know we we just you know these these sessions. I I have to say the the musicians. Yes, I love to hire the best because I love to learn with them. I feel like each session that I go into, I become a better musician because I'm learning from these masters. And like tomorrow, you know, I mean, he's worked with Diane Reeves. He's he's such an accomplished player, but then his compositions are on another level and he brings this, you know... Lush, I mean, uh he's Venezuelan, so he brings this lush, otherworldly, you know, space to it. And anyways, I I just I really love that. And then again, Shepard comes in with the alto flute and you know, he just does his thing. Yeah. And you you know, you just watch and, and enjoy.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, it's a it's a beautiful moment captured and um uh I I, I absolutely love that that tune we are rapidly reaching the end of our time together stacy but uh and i want to thank you for taking time to to chat uh i'm looking forward to being on the bandstand with you next month uh at the sound room in oakland uh which will be a, a real kick but why don't you plug any other performances projects you've got coming up let people know um how they can engage with you? Be a shameless self-promoter right now. I love it. Like-
1: well, it is going to be a California Christmas. We're going to be in Los Angeles at the at um, the conference room in Playa del Rey on December one. Then December fourteen, we go up to the Sound Room in Oakland with John featured <laughs> uh, on the drums, and then back to LA. We're going to do a jazz brunch at Catalina Jazz Club on December seventeenth. Uh, fabulous Sunday, kind of a Sunday holiday brunch. So you can come get a mimosa, have a great, you know, brunch, and then go rush and do your last minute Christmas shopping. <laughs> the gifts will be even better if you have the mimosa. But anyways, <laughs> and um, and yeah, the album's going to be available November 10th. So, um, you know, I wanted to make sure it's out there before Thanksgiving. So when people are out doing their Thanksgiving shopping and putting their holiday playlist together, they can they can put the new holiday music on, add me to your Spotify, and follow me on Instagram.
0: Oh, follows, yes. Follow, follow. That's that's all fantastic. Well, Stacey, it's a it's a special treat having known you for gosh, I don't know what, twenty-five years now, <laughs> something like that. Um, and uh it's been great to watch your journey. I love your music. I love getting the chance to perform with you uh when those opportunities come up. And and just thank you so much for taking time to be on, on the show. It's been a treat. Uh that's so great.
2: Thank you. Until for having- next
0: time, thank you, and thanks to everyone for listening and bye for now. Okay.
2: Bye.